From RealGhostStoriesOnline.com, welcome to another episode of our radio program. Tony and Jenny Bruski joining you once again for more real ghost stories shared by you guys. Calls, emails, the phone number is 855-853-4802, or you can always write into our uh, show on our website at RealGhostStoriesOnline.com. Click on the Tell Us Your Ghost Story button. we got some great ones for you today. Before we get into those, I want to thank you in advance and remind you to Please show us a little bit of love there on iTunes. Some stars, positive reviews, helps us grow the show and helps more people find it. And in turn, gets us more great real ghost stories to share with you every single week. So if you've uh, got a second, please do a little clicking with your thumb there. Show us some love. That would be greatly appreciated. Same deal on Stitcher and YouTube, wherever you may be listening to us. Uh, a little bit of uh, love there helps the show quite a bit. Uh, interesting uh, little uh, documentary that uh, is is out now, and apparently over at Redbox, and this is not a plug for Redbox, this is just, I read that Redbox is now offering this, because I guess it's mainly been online. It's a documentary that, um, I guess, has been out for a little while. I have never heard of it, but now I really want to see it. Um, it's about The Exorcist. Okay. And uh, it's called The Haunted Boy, and it's done by uh, the Booth Brothers, and uh, it's it's about the true story behind uh, what what the exorcist was based on. Okay, I've never heard of this. Yeah, I, I haven't either. Now I I gotta go to Redbox or something or, or go to the website and find it. Uh, it. I'll just read this article I found here. This is from the Examiner in 1971. Author uh, William Peter Blatley wrote the uh, book supposedly based on a true event, which was the Exorcist. Subsequently made into a film with Linda Blair. Blah blah blah. Uh, Christopher Saint and Philip Booth are filmmakers who specialize in the paranormal side of life or death, and Booth's project is entitled The Haunted Boy, The Secret Diary of the Exorcist. It's a true story behind the book and the film. Uh, and the child possessed in the uh, in the real case, it was actually a boy. Okay. Um, it, wasn't, it wasn't a girl as portrayed in the movie. And it's going to be interesting because we were talking about this the other day. We're going, was the Exorcist a true story? Was it based on anything? Right. So yes, yes it was. Uh, as with the, all of their work, it says... It's a very well-researched documentary. The Haunted Boy uh, delves into the exorcism that was performed on the boy in his home uh, and in a few hospitals. The bedroom and uh, one of the hospitals still standing and are investigated with uh, ghost hunter Keith Age. Also appearing are the uh, brothers, uh, some EVP folks uh, that have uh, gathered in different locations involved uh, with the ritual. So this looks really, uh, really interesting. It's called The Haunted Boy. Um, it's the true story of the Exorcist, and I guess it's out there on uh, on DVD now and some uh, added features. I gotta find it. It looks really good. I want to look into having these guys on the show. That would be great because I bet they would be some very interesting guests. If you guys have seen this documentary, because I think it's been out for a little while now, it's just now I guess hitting DVD. Uh, write in and let us know what you thought of it. Um, but uh, I'm gonna put that on my homework list of of things I want to watch. Because that, that looks right up my alley. Would you watch it? If we don't watch it at night, I will watch it with you. How about we watch it in place of Sesame Street one morning with the girls? Nope. <laughs> Not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> Little one's like, Elmo, Muppets. Nope. Exorcist today, honey. Okay. And then they'll be great in the morning. She'll wake up and be shouting, Exorcist. Yeah, that would be just great. She'll chase her sister around the house with a crucifix. Yep, I can already hear the preschool calling. 
Um, your daughter is trying to exercise demons out of her classmates. Is that um, is that something normal for your household? Actually, yes, yes, it is. It is. <laughs> it's uh, it's quite normal. Has she got any out yet? Um, that's my question to the the preschool. So anyway, uh, I just thought I'd share. It looks like a good uh, good documentary. Eight five five eight five three forty eight or two eight five five eight five three forty eight or two. The phone number you can call in twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, with your Real ghost stories. Uh, let's go to a letter here at Real Ghost Stories Online. Uh, this comes into us from Marlena. And uh, Marlena is uh, writing into us. Uh, let's see here. I have always been fascinated with all things paranormal. I've had quite a few unexplainable things happen throughout my life. This story happened about six years ago when my daughter was around one and a half. My best friend lived in an apartment building across the back alley from our park from her parking lot. There was an old cemetery. My daughter and I would spend many days at my friend's house. Going over there was quite routine for us. Most times, we would arrive. I would let my daughter out of her car seat and then would toddle into the building on her own. However, one of these visits, when I let her out of the car, she began running the opposite way towards the cemetery, going, Dolly, Auntie lives this way. She turned around and said, No, Mama, I want to go play little boy. Both my friend and I froze and looked at each other. There was no little boy. I didn't make a big deal about it. Just picked up my daughter and told her that Auntie would uh, be sad if we didn't come over and play. And we went inside the building. Later that same night as I was putting her to bed, she told me she couldn't sleep when the Black Birdie was watching her. I, of course, asked her what Black Birdie... And she pointed to the top of her closet. She continued to see the black bird in different places for a good three weeks after. I'm not sure if the two are events that are related, as the little boy didn't seem to scare her at all, and the black bird terrified her, but I often wondered if something attached it to herself that day. I would say so, and it sounds like maybe two different things happened. You know, she might have seen the ghost of an innocent boy, but then the bird... Mm-hmm. thing might have just followed her home sure that's what i think yeah i could see that and i wonder if the two are related though you think i don't know maybe there was something there i, I don't know but I, I i believe the kids was seeing something that the parents were not seeing yeah you know all right danny's writing in uh, he writes in hello tony and jenny my name is danny i'm kind of skeptical uh on this uh if i should write this letter or not because i really don't know if this story classifies under paranormal or some creepy creature living in the woods i think it's best for me to describe my home and its surroundings so you better understand my story we lived in tennessee in the country i mean in the middle of absolutely nowhere with our nearest neighbor being close to me, uh, about a mile from us. We lived in a double-wide trailer with three bedrooms, one for me, my brother, and my mother with a medium-sized yard. I'm just going to say this right now. There's no periods in this entire story, so I apologize if sentences sound a little odd. Okay. Just give it your best shot. I'd like to request when you write in, use periods. Thank you. In the front end uh, of the, the trailer, there's a lot of woods in the back as well. I don't know how many acres, but I don't think you could walk through the woods in just one day. We had one road that went in the front of the house with one post light in the middle of the front yard. In the middle of that, in the night, it would cast a line of pitch black that would go off in the woods and light that gave off showing just in front of the house. 
We had five dogs that found our house from God knows where. We had a sliding glass door that led to a big patio. My brother and I, being young and dumb, would put our feet up on the railing of the patio, pulling ourselves up on the roof to do stupid things teenagers do. We went to the roof to hide from our mom. We always stayed on the very edge of the roof with our legs dangling off the side. We would never walk on the roof because the weight of our bodies would make the inside of the house ceiling crack and we would fall through with the ceiling only being about six inches thick. Off with the story, I remember this night like it was yesterday because it was without a doubt the worst night of my life. It was 2.30ish in the morning. All the lights were out. I was in my room texting my girlfriend, and my brother was in the other room in bed with his girlfriend. I could hear them laughing and talking. I can almost hear them. I think I got, think I got quiet all the way out there. I could hear them getting ready for bed around this time. I told my girlfriend goodnight and that I loved her, and I was going to bed as well. I laid there looking up, at the ceiling, trying to fall asleep. About 20 minutes went by, and I was starting to fall asleep when I heard somebody running full speed on the back roof, going back and forth five times, louder, each time louder than the last, almost like it was stomping to make sure I was being noticed. I was frozen like an ice cube from the fear I heard. My brother yell from the top of his lungs, Daniel, stop effing around up there. I could not respond. I could not move. I was so afraid. I finally yelled back, Dude, it's not me. Being the tough guy my brother is, though he ripped his door open, walked into the kitchen, and grabbed a knife. I looked out my window to see him in just his boxers with a knife, trying to look into the pitch black woods for whatever was running around on the roof. All five dogs were in front of my brother in a perfect line, in the light right on the edge of the dark glowing, barking at whatever they could see, but he could not. I had never seen any dogs get so hostile and crazy like that. My brother ran inside and locked the door and tried his hardest to dismiss what he had experienced. I, on the other hand, called my cousin two counties over to come get me away from that house and from the woods. An hour later, he pulled up backing his truck up to the porch and honked his horns. I ripped through the door and jumped in the back and told him to get out of there. My brother looked up after me. I was laying down with his girlfriend trying to calm her down. He told me later that morning when I came back home that only 10 minutes after I left, he and his girlfriend heard something pulling up on the sliding glass door trying to get it. He creeped out and turned on the light and he could see nothing outside. We walked about it and decided that it could not be any animal because it was not scuffling around. There was no sound either. It had two feet, Prince. There were no trees growing over the house either so it couldn't have been the trees making the sounds. I don't know. I'm very sorry if this gets confusing at times. It's very long. I understand if this is not making on the show, but I'm very honored you guys read it. You're welcome. You know, I don't know. I don't know what all kinds of animals live in the woods of Tennessee, but 
obviously it was something that they were not familiar with and it was enough to scare them. So I'm, I don't know. I, I have to go with... Could a coyote get up there? I don't know. On a roof like that? You know, I don't know if they have coyotes there. Maybe it was uh, Mr. Leahy. <laughs> so, There's about 10 people who got that joke. Yeah, yeah. A special 10 people. And um, no, I think maybe something was going on, but obviously whatever it was totally creeped them out. And, and yeah. if they'd lived there you know, for any amount of time, they would have known the possibilities of what could have gotten up there. Yeah, and you'd almost think it'd be somewhat of a regular occurrence. Maybe yearly or something, or you know, semi annually. Sure. I don't know. Or that time of the year where raccoons get up on the yeah, roof when it's or like yeah, they're out there. You know, you have raccoons doing it on your um, on your roof of your trailer. There and, you uh, go. There's a raccoon. There's a raking orgy going on on top of the uh, trailer. This one's some jalapeno chips. The same ten people aren't yep. they lucky? Yes, they are. <laughs> Uh, thank you, uh, Ricky and Julian, for the letter. Uh, let's go over to uh, Tia Rose. Tia writes in, This is not a ghost story. I'm sure what it is. Uh, I'm not sure what it is, but I'm hoping that someone may have experienced the same thing or have some sort of explanation. I have this memory. The weird thing about this memory is that I can alternate between what is in my vision. Sometimes I'm staring at myself from a distance as if I'm another person in the park, and sometimes I'm myself. Sorry, I know it's a bit confusing, but it's the easiest way for me to put it. In one of the visions, I'm about three years old, wearing a mid-length white dress. There are four of us in the park, my mother, father, and photographer, and I. My parents are getting their wedding photographs taken under this huge oak tree. I can remember looking up, seeing their faces while holding onto the bottom of my mother's wedding dress. Neither of them are paying me any attention. That's my memory. Anyways, back to reality. When I reached about seven years old, my father took me to that same park. We had a picnic under that same tree. My dad proceeded to tell me all about the wedding photographs. He seemed shocked when I told him that I already knew about the photos. I described his top hat and my mother's white dress. He assumed I had seen the photographs, but again, he was shocked once I told him all about the photographer and the fact that I somehow or somewhat knew my way around the park. He insisted that I was not present as it was physically impossible. See, my mother was pregnant with me at the time. I hadn't even been born yet. Why can I remember this? Why do I know what happened? Tony, love your show. Listen every week. Really enjoy your wife's input. Also, she brings the whole thing together nicely. Thanks for sharing my memory. That's interesting. I like that. I don't know why you can remember that either, but sometimes we just know things. It's like the... Uh, <laughs> was she astro-projecting herself from the womb? I don't know. Although they, was... they couldn't see it, so that's really not astro-projection. I don't know. She just sounds like... A, a sensitive that can yeah. can you know pick up on past events. Would that be considered an out of body experience from the womb? Um, that she's picking up the memories of an out of body experience from the womb, because that would technically be an out of body experience. I don't know, but I I would say she's probably able to pick up on other things that have happened in the past, maybe not even realize that they were events that happened in the past. It's got to be interesting because then you could get kind of confused, especially with older memories, if, you know, you had been part of them. Mm -hmm. You know, if it was like a childhood memory or if it was like some sort of innate memory that was 
you know, kind of came along with you. It's like preloaded software on oh, a computer. Okay. <laughs> you, know, you get the computer and it's like got all this crap on it that you didn't really want, but it's just there. I don't think there's any way to inherit memories, you know, like... No, not inherit, but like... Would it be inheriting? Well, I mean, because it, it's not her memory because she wasn't holding the dress in reality. No. So I'm, what would it be? I'm thinking it's an external, not an, I guess, I guess saying external is the right word, but not having to do with the fact that she was in the womb at the time. I think it's more like she's able to see past events, things that have happened that she didn't know about. Okay. I think she's, she's able to do some things she doesn't realize she can do. Okay. If you have more uh, stories like that or, or more uh, things you can remember, uh, write in and share with us. Uh, that'd be really interesting to hear. Uh, phone number is 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802. Or uh, you can always write into us on our website at realghoststoriesonline.com. Chris writes in, I've always been a believer of something supernatural and of a higher power. I started going back to church and reigniting my faith in God and my longtime friend took notice that I had a certain peace about me and started asking to come to church with me. He was going through a divorce and a deep depression and had actually tried to commit suicide a few weeks before, unbeknownst to me. He ended up getting baptized and dedicating his life to God, but the story turns a bit darker when his ex-wife wanted to talk about God and her life one night when her husband was staying with me the night before church. Now, I'm not the type to force my religion and beliefs in anyone, but more than willing when someone asks. She ended up coming over to my house and staying the night after a long conversation of uh, her abusive childhood and current drug use, and then about God and what the Bible says about pretty much everything she was going through. She even mentioned seeing shadow people as a child when she was playing in the broad daylight. This raised a red flag, and I've always had an uneasy feeling around her and didn't know why, but it was becoming very clear. We wrapped up the night... And I went to bed. Her ex-husband, my friend, slept on the couch. I slept uh, in my bed, and she resided in a guest bedroom right across from mine. I laid down in bed feeling good about sharing my faith with my friends who were searching for answers and then drifted off to sleep only to wake up to my phone ringing. It was a friend who was sleeping on the couch. I was a bit dumbfounded, wondering what and why he was calling me, considering it was only 20 feet from my room. I answered and said, yeah, what's up? In a timid voice, almost a whisper, he begged me to come to the guest room. I obliged, got up, and walked into the room. I noticed it was close to 3 a.m. As I walked in the room, I noticed it was freezing, a good 25 to 20 degrees colder than the small hallway i just come from. I walked in and found my friend holding his ex-wife as she was sobbing almost uncontrollably. I immediately thought something was wrong medically, and I asked what happened. Since she wasn't in any shape to talk, he told me that he woke up to her screaming his name in terror. He jumped up and ran to her. Apparently, she had heard a gunshot as she was about to fall asleep and immediately assumed her husband had just killed himself since this was the way he attempted his suicide just weeks earlier. He then climbed in the bed with her and held her, trying to calm her down, and then it happened. All at once, they both heard my friend's name being called from the corner of the room by what they both described as multiple voices in different pitches. If that wasn't enough to scare them out of their wits, they then started seeing shadows bouncing around the walls and said it stopped as soon as I walked in. I did the only thing I knew to do, pray. 
Nothing happened while I was there except just goosebumps from the cold. I finally calmed her down by praying and laying hands on her. Then I fell back asleep about an hour later. But for me, I wasn't so... Or then they fell back asleep. But for me, I wasn't so lucky. I ended up staying up till the morning. Nothing ever happened in my house again, and I have lost touch with my friend and his ex-wife. I've heard she went off on the deep end with drugs and depression, and I still get goosebumps whenever I think that this happened in my house, but I still resign in. I think that poor lady's haunted beyond control. Yeah, I think there's probably a lot going on there. Mm-hmm. I'm sure the drugs don't help. No, but I could see the drug use being a way to try and... Cope? Cope with yeah. the effects. I mean, I I could see that and the depression being because what she's dealing with. Yeah, I mean, when they're hearing voices out of the uh, side of the room, um, that's where it sounds like one of those cases where it's... There's obviously depression going on here. There's uh, uh, drug use going on, which the two hand-in-hand don't work all that well together. And then you have, if there's something possession-wise going on, there's something dark that's attached itself to her. And it's probably just this vicious cycle plaguing her. Yeah, I would say so. And unfortunately, I think that, you know... That might be part of the reason the, I guess, the ex-husband was, you know, in a dark place, too. Sure. After dealing with that for so long. Yeah. You ever have that, you know, where she said that she heard a gunshot go off when she was about to fall asleep. Do you ever hear noises, like, when you're halfway asleep, all of a sudden, like, you think you hear, like, something really loud or... uh Anything, just any any sort of audible sound, and it, you and you fully believe it's audible, and and sit up. Not usually. There's a lot of times where I, I'm like almost asleep, and I will like shake awake mm-hmm. for whatever reason. That falling feeling. Sure, I've done that. Where you kind of I've like shake my feet, and you know, feel like you're trying to run or something like yeah, that. Yeah, but I can't remember having a time where I think I'm hearing something. I have that. It's not too common anymore. It's usually when I'm in a really weird state of trying to sleep. Mm-hmm. It happened to me all the time when I was doing morning radio, where I'd be going to bed at like, you know, 7.30 or 8 o'clock at night, and literally trying to fall asleep at that time. It wasn't like I'm going to sit here and watch TV till 10. It was trying to fall asleep much earlier than I think my body was ready to fall asleep. Um, and I would try and do it. You know, I'd have TV on for a little bit, but then eventually it would shut off. And it'd be like 9.30, 10 o'clock at night, and I'm still not quite sleeping. But I would hear, I mean, it would sound literally like I could hear, and I knew there was nothing going on, but I was halfway asleep, halfway awake, and like a door slamming, or um, sometimes it was interesting TV shows. Okay. I would have it where uh, the TV show uh, would shut off, on the sleep timer and my mind would continue to essentially carry on the episode in its own way and anyone who knows me knows I I, I used to watch Seinfeld going to bed and that was Seinfeld at that time Frasier is what we watch all the time now but I would be sitting there in bed hearing the show TV shuts off I'm unaware the TV shut off The show continues going on in my head. I'm hearing all the bumpers, all the sounds, all of the characters. 
And I know the episodes inside and out because I've watched them 500 times. And then suddenly I'm going, well, this doesn't sound like an episode I've heard before. And I'm laying in bed thinking I'm just listening to the show and I'm hearing the show. I'm like, wait a second. This is, what the hell is this? This is not the episode that I'm watching. And then I open my eyes and there's nothing. That's strange. No, I've never had that kind of experience. Yeah, it's like it's. I think it's almost in that sleep paralysis state. Yeah, where I don't know what I'd be seeing if I opened my eyes because I don't think I even realized I was sleeping. Okay, where my mind is into a dream a dream state, except instead of visuals, it's audio that's going on for me. That's that's really interesting. Yeah, I came up with so many great episodes for shows. <laughs> You should just call Larry David up. You Listen, know? I had this episode in my head. Yeah, yep. yeah, because I'm sure that's never happened. Um, anyway, I just thought it was interesting. That is interesting. I found number to call on is 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802. Yvonne writes in, this occurred from 2007 to 2010. I don't know if it was considered a house haunting, a demon, a poltergeist or what. I begin by describing my family. My, hus- my hubby is a strict, strong, mostly sad, angry person. And at the same time, he's the nicest, caring person. Okay, that doesn't contradict it at all. <laughs> oh, Wow. I am a strict, nice, quiet, and have social anxiety, scared to talk in front of people. My daughter was four years old when this first started. She's smart, sweet, caring, and was baptized. I first started, or it first started with me, hearing my kid talking to herself in her room. I listened in and heard whispering. One day, I asked who she's talking to, and she said to her friend, Typical reaction out of me. I went through the steps. What's the name? What do they look like? I can't see them. What do they want? And so on. She said his name was Spider Hand. And it had red eyes and sharp teeth. But she wasn't afraid because it was nice to her. I told her not to talk to herself. And at that time, I didn't have internet, so I didn't research anything. I assumed it was a child, imaginary friend, and even crossed my mind of schizophrenia, multiple personalities, multiple personality disorder, bipolar, any mental condition. She didn't fit the symptoms, so I chalked it up to loneliness. Uh, she, or I took her to the doctor with my concern, and the doc said she was perfect, and then it was just an imaginary playmate. During this time, I kept buying her rosary beaded necklaces with the cross and God on it. They would always break right away. Uh, one even broke the cross that was made of metal. Okay, well, a little time passed, and she was still talking to the thing. She always wanted to be alone in her room with her friend. I called her to my bedroom and asked her more questions, since I started to feel it was paranormal. She said that her friend was in the room with us. She said it just wanted to be her friend, but that God was nothing and that it lived in hyperspace. That freaked me out. I didn't know what hyperspace was and why my four-year-old was using that big of a word. I started getting mad at it. I told my little girl to tell it to leave her alone and never come back. She said that he wasn't going anywhere. I told her that we believe in God and love and pray to only him. And again, she said that the spider hand said that God was little, and he was big, and he wasn't leaving, and his friends were coming, too. 
I was terrified and mad at it messing with my baby, so I told her to tell him to leave, and she said no. Then I got up, got my girl's hand, and went to the backyard to play. She said the spider hand was there. It's under the slide. So then I said, let's go to the dollar store until Dad comes home from work. She said she needed to stay with her friend. I got her hand again and went back inside to put my other shoes on. My girl kept saying he was getting mad. I was putting my shoe on while sitting on the couch. I bent over to tie my shoe. My baby girl rushed at me and started choking my neck. It didn't hurt because she didn't have extra power. But I did get scared. I pulled her hands away and said the Lord's Prayer. We left to the store. We came back. My hubby was home. So we told him everything. He was aware of everything that had happened before. So he firmly told my daughter to tell Spider-Hand to leave because he doesn't pay the bills and he couldn't hang around here. My daughter, for the first time, talked back to my hubby and told him her friend didn't want to leave and was right there by the couch. My husband did a pretend motion as to stomp on the Spider-Hand and crush it and said, there, I killed it. My daughter said, no, he's right there. And that he, and she said, she's going to keep playing with him and he was waiting for his friends to come too. My hubby got a little scared and didn't know what to do. Time went by and we would keep my daughter with us at all times. Days later, I started having sleep paralysis. My hubby could hear me making strange sounds like a rubber band noise in my mouth. I just remember yelling and being pinned down and being so pissed off at a demon. I would try to physically fight the demon in, a sleep, in my sleep paralysis. And when I woke up, my body was sore for a couple days. I hated it trying to scare us. And I felt I could kick the demon's ass. Of course, I couldn't even see it, though. I took my daughter to the Guadalupe Catholic Church and told the priest what was going on. He told me that there's no such thing as a haunted house and proceeded to pray over us and sprinkled holy water. So I remember leaving the church thinking that, thinking, what the hell just happened in there? He didn't help us. We got in the car. My girl said that her friend said, I told you God was nothing. He is weak. I am strong. I told her, no, God is powerful and will help. I told my baby I was sorry that something was trying to trick her. We prayed the Lord's Prayer again. We went home and things continued, but we never left here alone, not even in, we never left her alone, not even in the bathroom. We slept in the same room. We finally had a medium come to our house. He said there was a bad demon there darting from room to room and that it looked like a troll. He said a prayer to cleanse the house. He said it left, but it was outside. One night we were all outside and noticed that one of the swings was swinging, no wind. We had walked up to it, and with his hand, he stopped the swing. He stood there only to see the swing start up again. The other swing didn't move at all. My daughter said her friend was there. Did it make sense to me? So we decided to move. This is not the end. I'll do the second part of the next story because the damn thing followed. Thank you. That's awful. <laughs> that's just one of the worst things I've ever heard, ever. Yeah, that's pretty disturbing. I want part two. Oh, 
I hate that that followed them and that's still bugging the little girl. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's good that he's not doing things to her, at least at this stage. Yeah. But that's that's awful. I am so sorry. That's uh, that's a disturbing story, but I can't wait to hear part two, Yvonne. Please, um, please write that in and share that with us. Uh, the phone number is 855-853-4802, 855-853-4802. What do you do in that case? Well, I'm thinking that I thought the church would have been more help with that. Because don't they, they kind of think, I mean, don't they kind of have, don't they have priests that come out and bless and try and clean things up sometimes? Yeah, uh, but it takes quite a bit of uh, activity uh, to get them to do anything. Okay. It's not always the uh, uh, the easiest thing to get an exorcist to come out to your, your, your house and perform an exorcism. Then I don't know what to do. And I think it probably also depends on the priest you're dealing with, too. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it probably depends how experienced they are in the uh, the subject. Like, is it someone who just came out of? Is it seminary for a Catholic priests, or is that uh, Protestant? Is I know Protestant is seminary because that's like Lutheran. They go to seminary. I don't know what Catholics do. I don't um, know. I should know, but I don't. I think it probably really just depends on uh, exactly what the. Uh, the education is in the background is of that priest. Wow. That sounds horrible, but I, I do want to hear the other part of that story, so please do write in. Or even better yet, call in your story, uh, Yvonne. Uh, again, 855-853-4802 is the phone number. Here's a funny story. Uh, this is a couple in, uh, in the UK that thought they had a poltergeist. Uh, they have the apartment that they keep up nicely, but they'd go out and it would be completely trashed when they get home. Like, look like burglarized, but nothing's ever stolen. Okay. I didn't know what was going on, um, but just trashed. And it happened repeatedly. Again, nothing ever stolen over and over and over. And this is one of those things where they thought it was a poltergeist. Okay. And I bring this story up because it's, it's where we talk about, you know, kind of narrow down what all the possibilities could be, whether it's... Uh, Obviously, physically, things are moving around here, so you start to think poltergeist if nothing's stolen. Mm-hmm. Um, my common go-to is carbon monoxide. Sure. Um, turned out, they eventually did figure this out. There was a meth addict living underneath their bed. Oh, my God. That is awful. Yeah. For, like, weeks. So they're going to bed. Meth addicts passed out sleeping underneath the bed. And when they leave, the meth addicts is going around the house going crazy. Oh, wow. That's so I don't a- know how comforting that is. When you end up and that's the end of the story and it's like, oh, it wasn't a pull. It was just a meth addict that was living underneath our bed where we slept. I have so many, many more weeks. questions now. My God. That's, yeah. that's terrifying. I don't, what would you be more comforted with? A poltergeist? <laughs> I'd rather have a poltergeist than a meth addict that's... Because those people I mean, it are stopped crazy. Now. Yeah, I mean, it stopped. It's taken care of. But it's a wonder he didn't, like... Kill them? Some, yeah, yeah, exactly. 
but uh, yeah, that was it. It's funny that they couldn't, they didn't look under the, or they didn't catch him under the bed. I wonder if he like left during, after he, you know, did the rampage and then broke back in later. How often do you look under our bed? I never look under there. Well, I, I would look, I mean, if our house was trashed and eventually when you're putting things away, yeah, I would think, you know, as you're putting things away, that's almost, you know, one of the places, you know, you'd almost naturally look as you're putting things away, you know, I sliding guess. stuff around, but yeah, they missed the meth addict. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, the link's up on our Facebook page if you want to uh, uh, check out the uh, the full scope of that story. It's Heisenberg's fault. It is. It is. It is all Heisenberg. 855-853-4802. Chuck writes in, I am a, non-j- a non-judgmental skeptic, which I guess is a fancy way of saying that I don't believe in ghosts, but that I keep an open mind. I have never seen one with my own eyes never had any visions or seen shadow people i heard some things go bump in the night but it has almost always turned out to be something boring like old pipes or wind through a chimney almost in any case i've always found it important to be wary of certainty of most things i have personally never witnessed a spirit but i've spoken to enough people including family members and friends with no reason whatsoever to lie to me to give me pause let's face it there's simply something to all of these stories I completely agree, and if you've listened to this show for any length of time, which, by the way, we've done more than 50 episodes now. Oh, yay. Yes, i just like to share that. It's kind of cool. That is cool. Um, yeah, uh, and there's a lot of folks who have listened to all more than 50, so thank you so much for that dedication. Yeah, there's something out there, Yeah. obviously. I mean, with the amount of stories, I mean, I have more questions and answers now than I've ever had before, but yeah. Continuing on, I have, however, had one ghostly experience that I can't quite nail down one way or the other. I live in Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is just above the Tennessee-Georgia state line. About 10 miles south into Georgia is uh, another national park known locally as simply as the, and I'm sorry if I'm saying this wrong, Chickamunga Battlefield. Oh, Chickamauga. Chickamauga? Oh, yeah. You know about this? bad shit there. Okay. It is the largest military park in the country. This area was the scene of one of the bloodiest battles of the American Civil War. Okay, see, I should know more about history and be able to say that easily. I love history, so that's why I know. More than 30,000 people were killed, wounded, or captured, or never found. The bodies of the soldiers are said to have been laid out on the battlegrounds for weeks before they were even buried. Many of them were never identified and simply dumped into mass unmarked graves. The area is now a huge national park with miles of trails, creeks, and fields. Uh, punctuated with monuments, plaques, and historical cabins. It should go without saying that many people of the Tennessee Valley and North Georgia think that the park is haunted as hell. There are also old legends about clan meetings with lynchings that allegedly took place there, even to this day. There are two popular ghosts that are said to haunt the battlefield. One is a mysterious woman whose myth says, prowls the woods and trails of the park at night wailing for her lost husband she is known locally as the lady in white the other more well known and interesting interestingly ghost is known as green eyes or old green eyes i've been hearing tales of green eyes since i was a youth and how he is thought to be the ghost of a soldier who haunts the wilder tower of the park google an image search of wilder tower i think you'll agree that 
If it isn't haunted, it certainly should be. Supposedly, as I was told, you could see green eyes peek out at you from the windows of the tower at night. Green eyes also has been described as a soldier whose head was blown off during the battle and that he searches the fields for his lost head, which sounds suspiciously Sleepy Hollowish to me. Green Eyes has also been described to me as a beast-like creature that has chased people through the woods at night and has even been allegedly spotted from the main road, which cuts through the park. Anyway, it was about 13 years ago when I was a little younger and a lot dumber, which uh, when I decided to go see Green Eyes for myself. The park closes at sundown and access to it at night is allowed only by special permit as the park service routinely has trouble with thieves and vandals. That did not deter me. I got two equally stupid friends to accompany me as I plotted to sneak into the park at night and visit Wilder Tower for a chance to see green eyes with my own eyes. So we snuck in. I'd waited until a full moon so that we would not need flashlights. I was wary of encountering park rangers and had asked everyone to wear all black so that we'd be able to hide in the trees more easily. We parked at food at a food line about a mile from the park entrance and walked our way in. We stayed on the back road and the moonlight cut clear through the opening in the trees over the road so it was easy to see. So long as we stayed on the path, so far my planning had worked. There were three distinct and unusual things that happened that night before we all encountered something even scarier than ghosts. The first was as we walked along the road, I caught a whiff of something in the air, and it was familiar to me. It was campfire. I've been in the Boy Scouts for six years and knew the scent well. Campfire is a distinct odor that's a bit different from a mere brush fire. More importantly, all three of us smelled it. Now, that was odd, since recreational camping in the park is strictly prohibited as it is a battlefield of historical significance. It is entirely possible the campers were responsible for this smoky smell, but all of us found it particularly odd as we were instantly mindful of all the horror stories of clan meetings there. We looked around and peered through the trees and as far as we could see, but we were unable to locate the site of anything burning in any direction, so we shrugged it off and pressed on. About 15 minutes later, it was probably about 11 at this point, and it was chilly November in the evening, I stopped dead in my tracks, and with the sound of the leaves rustling in the wind in our own footsteps on the road, I heard a voice. Even to this day, I, I doubt what exactly it was that I heard, and always feel silly when I tell it to people, but my friend at the same time made no mistake in determining what it was. It was a woman's voice, and it said only two words, help me. Now, I was not and have never given to telling tall tales and claiming them as truth, but this had happened, or at least the, the, these synapses in my brain are convinced it did. What's more unsettling, and what really gives me a little tale, it's teeth, is that my two companions heard it too. We stopped. Did you hear that, I asked? Yeah, they both replied. I don't know how long we stood there in the middle of the road like a trio of dumbasses that we were, but it seemed like a season. We waited for, I don't know, what we were waiting for, but we stood there just breathing and listening to every leaf and twig snap around us. Fear is a sensitizing emotion. It transforms the most mundane things like an acorn falling onto the ground or the hoot of an owl 
into snarling monsters from beyond the grave that have come to devour you, and a simple sound can make you freeze in fright. And it was about the time when we were all beginning to laugh at ourselves because of what we had heard. We heard it again. Help me. Distant, pained, and sad. There was no mistake, at least not at the time. It was a female voice calling out in the night, and this time was distinct enough to allow me to determine which direction it was coming from. I'm an adventurous under adventurous sort under the right circumstances, and just the possibility of ghosts awakens a kind of youthful zeal within me that would probably embarrass most people. Not to say that I wasn't scared, it just I just didn't let that stop me. It was coming from our two o'clock, so I plunged into the dark woods outside of the moonlit road. I could not see anything except the light coming from the tree line on the other side. I tripped and bumped into the trees and even got my hat stuck on a branch, but I kept pushing through. I could hear my friends grumbling close behind, and then we heard it again. That was three times. I pushed through the tree line and stumbled out into a massive open field where the Wilder Tower looms. I'd followed the voice, and it had led us there. The third unusual, unusual thing happened when we crested the hill where the tower sits. This is a popular area with plaques and cannons and benches to sit. The tower itself, 85 feet high, is locked up at night with an iron gate. The hill overlooks the vast field where hundreds of soldiers had been killed in 1863, and where many of them still lie. A strange fog bank had rolled in and covered half of the field below, right out of the area where we had encountered it and where we had entered it. What was unusual about it was how the fog had spread out and then, as if cut off by a knife, stopped cold. You could have taken a step to the left, but in the fog, and one step to the right and had been completely out of it. I'd never seen fog cut like that line, and I've never seen it since. And while this is likely more of an example of unusual weather rather than a supernatural going on, it still did strike me as odd. I won't go into the remainder of the story because we ended up seeing something much scarier than ghosts. Park rangers. We got away in the end and made it back to my apartment exhausted and scrapped up by trees and more than a little unnerved, but we had survived the battlefield at night. No green eyes, unfortunately. No lady in white, but only a strange voice that to this, to the, to this day I cannot make sense of. I remain skeptical. Skepticism is, in my view, is healthy so long as it remains open. Whether evaluating my own experience or the experience of others, I try to apply the test of likelihood, which is more likely that I experienced a ghost and that the supernatural laws of the world are sometimes opened and that the particles of dead things fly about and moan for help after they're dead or that I'm under a, misappre- a misapprehension. It's an important question and one that I think should always be asked when presented with such stories. But I love a good ghost story and I love your show. I've been listening since the early days of it when I stumbled across it while looking for ghostly inspiration online for a play I was writing. I also think, Tony, that the addition of your wife is a breath of fresh air, and the chemistry between you is undeniable. Keep the episodes coming, and I'll keep listening. Thank you for reading your story. Pleasant screams, Chuck in Chattanooga. P.S. 
Major points for being a Troll 2 fan. <laughs> awesome. We got someone got who got it. the reference. Yes. He Aren't you it. hungry, Joshua? He says so. Funny. There we go. Well, Chuck and Chattanooga, thank you for that very well-written story. Yes. And uh, gosh. I, you know what? I just have to say it's like Gettysburg. It's like any other major battlefield. It is a major battlefield. I would say anything that happens there is paranormal. I mean, it's sure. just that is an immense amount of negative energy there. Has a, there's, there's been issues with the fog, too. Hasn't there been, like, weather people who have, like, looked at this and they're like, they can't explain half the fog in some of these areas? Yeah, Like, I there's some areas so. where the fog, like, settles in at night over these battlefields where there's just bodies that have been left and are essentially buried in the dirt. Right. Or have become dirt. Yeah. And where the... I, I think I've read that or saw something on it where it's these... There's a weird fog phenomenon over a lot of these battlefields where it just it can't be explained. It's almost like the smoke of the cannon still hangs in the air. Yeah, that's interesting and very creepy when you actually have, you know, scientists coming in and going, yeah, the fog really should not be here right now because, I mean, that is a weather phenomena. Had you ever heard of this battlefield before? Uh, I'm sure I didn't pay attention to it in school. And I'm sure it probably <laughs> passed through my ears at one point or the other. Oh, I can't even begin to think about the things they don't teach us in school. But I remember yeah. hearing a short story. I believe Ambrose Bierce wrote a short story about the battlefield and about a little deaf mute six-year-old that was playing in the woods. And he had no idea this battle was going on. And he'd see these soldiers and he'd smile and wave at him. And then and he returned home to find his parents had been killed by these soldiers. Oh, my God. Yeah. That kind of shit sticks happy with tale. you. Yeah, that sticks with me. That New from stuff. Disney Pixar. Chickamauga, the Disney animated feature film. <laughs> Chickamauga, the story of a little boy playing in the woods. There you go. <laughs> I have the Tom Hanks is one of the voices, and yeah, you're really great. Yeah, God, how would that go? <laughs> animated in the style of Polar Express. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> All right, uh, I'll do another story here. 855-853-4802 is the phone number to call. 855-853-4802. Share your real ghost story. And hey, if you've been enjoying the show, enjoying the ghost stories, maybe it's your first time, maybe you've not done this yet, but uh, if you're uh, an iTunes subscriber, please uh, go back to our, our iTunes page You know that you're subscribing on. Leave a little positive review there. Some uh, stars. Five stars would be lovely. Um, and that helps us grow. That helps us grow in the ratings and the rankings and uh, keeps us up there uh, because we are now the most listened to ghost podcast uh, on iTunes. Uh, so we thank you greatly for uh, all of that love. That to me is just kind of crazy, but I absolutely love it. But we are only going to continue to grow like that with your continued support. So some love there would be greatly appreciated. YouTube, Stitcher, all that. Uh, we do appreciate uh, the love and the positive feedback. And make sure you press subscribe so you, uh, you don't miss any episodes that get sent directly to you. Because to be completely honest, the last thing that gets updated on our show is our website. The, yeah. the first place that gets it is the subscribers, whether it be YouTube or iTunes. And those go out fairly simultaneously, maybe an hour or two apart. Um, but if you're a subscriber, you're getting the show much quicker than just watching our website. The website, I, I try to keep up with and update it about once a week with the latest episodes. So if you're just relying on the website to get the shows, um, subscribe. That's going to be the quickest way for you to get it as we release them about uh, three times a week right now. And we were having the conversation earlier of maybe making this a four-time-a-week show. 
I think we should. I think we could keep up with it. I mean, we're doing it, uh, I think, frequently enough to... As to, long as we get enough stories and enough yeah, calls, then you we guys, can do it. You guys keep providing us the stories and the calls, and we will uh, we'll up this to a four-day-a-week show. And there you go. That's that's beating some regular national, you know, uh, FM or AM radio shows as far as the frequency of when we're delivering you new episodes. So, um, yeah, and please do. Please uh, keep uh, sending those stories to us. We absolutely love them. Uh, Matt writes in, uh, uh, Hi, Tony. I only recently discovered this podcast, and I'm loving it. So first of all, thank you. I feel compelled to share my story with you and with the community that you have brought together around our somewhat virtual campfire. So let me begin by letting you know that this is not a conventional ghost story involving spiritual apparitions or poltergeist activity. This is my true paranormal experience that occurred just over five years ago when I was 17 years old. I live in Belfast, the northern province of Ireland, a country with a long, sad history of an archaic folklore of Celtic and uh, Gaelic origins. It was late May, approximately the 29th or 30th, when I was at home for my upcoming English literature exam, which was around the 4th of June. The clock was approaching 9 p.m., and I sat at my dining room table reading notes of The Great Gatsby. I felt tense and overworked from all the revision I had crammed in my head throughout the day, so I closed my book, leant back on my chair, and rubbed my eyes. After a couple of minutes of respite, I reopened them, and from my point of vision, um, on the now-closed textbook, instinctively, my eyes slowly dragged their gaze towards the right to the dining room's glass patio door and connected to the back garden. Outside it was dark, strangely dark for a summer night, though there was enough light to be able to vaguely make out the textures and dimensions of the outside world. Less than six feet away from me, I clearly saw the silhouette of a large black dog, blacker than the night behind it and the deepest shadow I'd ever seen. It stood deathly still behind the glass door and had its back turned to me. Through its thick, shaggy black fur, I could clearly make out its distinctive body shape. It was huge, bigger than any other breed of dog, even an Irish wolfhound or mastiff. The torso, however, resembled more that of a lion. It was muscular and carried a brutish, bulky frame. Like a lion... It had those distinctive raised shoulders like a hump of muscle just below the neck that gradually descended into an arch on its back. I even saw its lengthy muscular legs. I sat there for a couple of minutes, staring dumbfounded at the beast over its sheer size, thinking maybe a black panther had escaped into my back garden from the nearby zoo. But then I noticed that attached to that lion-like body was a large head resembled more like that of a wolf being broader with its pointed ears and long, thick muzzle. Then it looked at me. The entity slowly turned its big black head left in order to face me. Its pitch black eyes, or lack of, penetrated right into my own. Its stare was cold and frightening. I shut my eyes tightly and turned my head away. I just couldn't look at it anymore. After about 30 seconds of squeezing my eyelids, my curiosity took hold of me and I looked back at the glass door and it was gone. It had completely vanished. This confused me, seeing as my garden is entirely closed off via tall fences, huge hedgerows, and a 15-foot drop between my street and the next neighborhood. 
From that time on, I had researched into the dog countless times, looking for relative information to help me come to terms with what I just experienced. I'd never heard of the hounds of Bakersville, nor took notice of the beast's appearance in popular culture before what happened. So I believe my encounter was untainted, and I cannot simply be put into the exhaustion and an overactive imagination. But the more I read into this beast, the more my experience matched those of others, except for one detail, the eyes. Most stories refer to the Hellhound as a variety of titles in Irish, Scottish, and Welsh, but the simplest to pronounce in English is Black Shuck. Most agree that it stalks the British Isles and has fiery red eyes. But the black dog I saw had two cold, pitch black eyes full of hopelessness and despair. However, every reported encounter has a key similarity. Tragic events inevitably follow the creature's presence, similar to a banshee. I was to suffer two misfortunes. The first was on the night before the English exam that, as you know, I had worked tremendously hard studying for. I discovered that a few days after the encounter, my girlfriend had cheated on me. We split up, but my heart was in pieces and I couldn't focus on the exam. I later received a failing D grade as a result, less than a uh, uh, fourth night later on the 24th of July in 2009, my close and beloved uncle died in a hospital. His death was strange, as for a year he had been in and out of different hospitals with what doctors had diagnosed as an uh, sort of disease he was, had been born with, including a bad immune system, weak bones, and a lung disease that was thought to be caused by smoking. However, on the lead-up to his death, the doctor had told us that he was on the mend after a lung transplant and could make a great recovery. My uncle had even told us he felt better and that he hoped to be out of the hospital soon enough if things kept going as well as they were. Things suddenly took a U-turn for the worst. When they, when he passed away, the doctor informed us that his lung disease was not caused by his 20 years of smoking. In fact, they couldn't really pinpoint how it suddenly got so bad. His untimely death was put down to his bad immune system and the scarring of the lungs. But... Of course, I knew what the real cause was. I miss my uncle and keep a photo of him in my wallet, but every time I think of him, I also remember what I saw and feel unsettled. Thank you for taking the time to read this, Tony. I look forward to hearing future episodes of your show. Thank you for writing in. Do you think that's like the werewolf type being that we've been talking about? I think it's a demonic type thing. Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't think it's an actual species of creature that we're just not identifying. I think it's something demonic. It probably did literally vanish into thin air. Yeah. yeah. I think, yeah. So, yeah. Have you heard other stories about when people see this type of being then experiencing misfortune? Yeah, I mean, that kind of is... <laughs> I guess a, a, a tale that goes along with things of that nature. I mean, it's not always attached to those sort of things, but it is sometimes. Okay. You? No, I'm asking because I'm, I don't honestly know. And I know you've heard way more ghost stories than I have. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's almost a cultural thing. Um, I know there was, uh, there was one we had on here, not, yeah, that's probably a while ago, uh, 25 episodes ago. Um, about some sort of uh, 
entity that's common in, uh, I believe, in Mexico, um, where when people see this, I guess it's almost like a monkey-like creature that uh, that they see in trees, and it kind of has... I say monkey-like creature because it kind of looks monkey-like, you know, but has red eyes, more human, uh, almost like a tiny... It's like a human monkey... Uh, troll that climbs in trees, okay. if you will. Okay. Um, and when people see it, uh, bad things tend to happen. The the entity, I guess, doesn't do a whole lot to the people, but it's more like an omen. Oh, okay. Type uh, time feel, and there's variations of that in different cultures. Okay. So yeah, the the where or the dog ask thing in different cultures, especially over in in uh, in that culture, has you know some bearings. I think this you know there's. Yeah. Whether it's an urban legend or whether it's whatever you want to call it, but certainly kind of disturbing when he sees this thing. It doesn't really do anything to him, other than shortly thereafter, bad things happen. Right. So, I don't know. I think I'd probably rather not know about uh, those sort of things uh, that the bad things happening after seeing that. You know. Right. Right. Because I think if I if I saw something like that, I'd be like, oh shit, what's going to happen? And suddenly be very weary of, like, every single thing around me. Which bad things do happen to people. So, sometimes you have to want, you know, if you just saw that, are you going to attribute it to that? Or are you just going to attribute it to life in general and bad things happen? I don't know. I think it just depends on the, the time frame. Sure, I think naturally, though, if you knew about it, you'd be like, yep. Yeah. That's what it was. Yeah, that's what it was. So, there you go. 855-853-4802. If you have a real ghost story, please give us a call 24 hours a day, seven days a week, and share your ghost story with us. Just go to our website at Real Ghost Stories Online and uh, write it into us, and we will uh, we'll share it on a future episode here of the show. All right? Share the show if you would. Let some friends know about it on uh, social media, Twitter. Pinterest is a great place for the show as well. Facebook, wherever you like to frequent. Let your friends know about us. That's how we grow the show. We get more listeners. We get more great real ghost stories to share with you every single week here at Real Ghost Stories Online. So for Jenny Bruski, I'm Tony Bruski. Thanks for listening to another episode of Real Ghost Stories Online. <laughs>